Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello and welcome, or should I say welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. It is Tuesday the 20th of March. I am your temporary host of the day, Jack Pitbrook. Uh, our true host, Ed Malian, is away on holiday, I'm afraid. But I am joined today by two of my trustiest lieutenants. On my right, uh, Chief Sports Writer Jonathan Liu. Say hello, Jonathan. Hello. And in front of me, Lawrence Lusley. Say hello, Lawrence. Hi. Uh, so we are right in the midst. It is sorry. Wednesday the 20th, it not Tuesday the 20th. 20th. So I've messed, I've messed up it, my it, intro it, in two it, ways. This is why I'm not the real host. This is why I'm <laughs> only the uh, interim stand-in host. I'm the, I'm the sole shire to Ed's Mourinho. So, say what you like about Ed. He always gets the day right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't even say the date. I try to add it in. This is like my. This is going to be my thing, my bit of extra... Like what I would bring to the hosting would be saying the date because Stephen Metcalf says it at the start of the Slate Culture Gab Fest podcast every Wednesday. <laughs> but by getting the day of the week wrong, I have completely ruined my only attempt at like bringing any of my own personalities to bear to this podcast. So that can be your thing now, just getting it wrong every time. Yeah, just getting slightly. the date wrong. Yeah, yeah. The one thing, I mean, there's only seven to choose from. But, uh, <laughs> Will you get the month wrong? And even <laughs> in, there's only seven to choose from. And by process of elimination, I knew it wasn't going to be like Saturday or Sunday because I would never be here on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And even then, I managed to get it wrong. No, so. Normally, we record on a Monday, which is, I guess, is where the, where the confusion stemmed from. Right, yeah, because on Monday, I don't know what I was doing on Monday, but then on Tuesday, I was at St. George's Park yesterday, so it was a bit of a, uh, a kind of shot in the dark. That This is the problem with international football, is international football throws you off your sense of calendar. Disorienting. Because we all build our lives, you know, we, we literally build our lives around the rhythm of... Premier League, Champions League, Europa League Thursdays, uh, press conference Fridays, all the rest of it. Take that, if you remove all of that structure, then we are kind of floating in empty space, basically. England are playing on Friday night? Right, yeah. So England play Czech Republic at Wembley on Friday night, and then they fly to Montenegro. And that game, I believe, is on Monday evening. Ooh, Monday evening, yeah. free weekend. Very Again, very weird. Yeah, so th- th- this is... This is how it is for an international break. And this is our first international break, obviously, since November, since when we've had some fantastic domestic football. Um, some very poor domestic football. Yeah, a lot of that too. Uh, we've had the best title race that we've had for five years. At least. If not more. Mm. Um, unfortunately, we don't have our title race expert, Miguel, here to talk about with us and put it into full context but the thing is the thing is <laughs> this is a genuinely significant moment in the title race <laughs> i think we should, yeah Very um, good. Very yeah that was pretty good um it's actually better than ed's normal miguel impression uh yeah which is, it's a little bit sort of you know frank uh, carson isn't it i was gonna say uh it's a little bit there's more to ireland than this <laughs> <laughs> um but Given how good the domestic football is at the moment, and given that the England games coming up are like not massive games, they're not Croatia and Spain in the Nations League, they are the kind of England games that people generally don't get that excited about. Do we do do we care about this international break or not? I mean, the short answer is probably no. Uh, there's there's very little jeopardy in, in here. One of the good things about the Nations League. Uh, for its its really quite Byzantine structure was it did provide 
big tests every single game and proper sort of promotion relegation. This is what's on the line now. England are in a five-team group with the Czech Republic, Montenegro, Bulgaria and Kosovo, I think. Mm. The top two of five qualify. Even then, if England don't make it in the top two, they're guaranteed a playoff because of how they did in the Nations League. Uh, so I don't think any, anybody seriously expects England to, to mess this qualification up. Um, but, you know, there's still plenty to talk about. <laughs> it feels like the Nations League has already come in and overtaken the qualifiers as a form of entertainment, which I don't think we necessarily would have expected. I think we would have kind of said the Nations League, oh, it fills in for the friendlies, but actually it's jumped up above the friendlies and above the qualifiers and been the most entertaining form of non-championship football in, in, in international football. So, yeah, it still feels quite underwhelming that we are playing um, these kind of games. I mean, Kosovo, for example, as interesting as it will be politically, is quite an underwhelming challenge. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that there is... Well, there, but what I do think is that while there's no there's no real interest in the matches themselves coming up this weekend, although I'm sure I think I'm sure Wembley will be sold out on Friday night because the FA do do a good job mm. of selling tickets for these games now. Is that like the bigger question of the the direction and prospects of the England team is now more of a national interest than I think it's been for about twelve years, twelve or thirteen years, and this means that like. Because people are because people really care about are we going to win the Nations League in June? Are we going to win the Euros in twenty twenty? That means that like games which are not which which are not normally interesting are interesting because people want, people want to watch the team play. Yeah, and they want to see who you know. With no there are because there are some interesting on the pitch issues. There's the introduction of Declan Rice who has never played for England before because you know we all know why. But will I think will probably be a starter for England for a long time to come. Mm. There's the centre back issue where both England's two best centre backs, uh, Gomez and Stones, are both out, so they're left with Maguire, Keane, and Tarkovsky, which I think is nobody's idea of like a first choice uh, set of options. There's the right back issue where England have about four or five players of fairly similar level, mm. uh, and Southgate doesn't really know who's fa- who his best one is. Um, and I think these are all questions that are more interesting than they would have been if England were rubbish or if people didn't care. Yeah, and the fact that the the Nations League finals are are just a few months away kind of almost gives these qualifiers the feel of a final audition for for June, uh, especially given that England now play two qualifiers and I, th- I then I think don't then don't play more qualifiers until September. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's very clearly a, a climax to to the season in in june and and these two games feel like almost a sort of a feeling out exercise for for guys like declan rice and and Lord proud i guess i think there's an interesting you talk about the kind of audition ahead of the the nations league i think we're playing holland aren't we in the semi-finals yeah and i think there's an interesting kind of subplot here with southgate and his selection and how the balance between his loyalty with the players who obviously were successful in in Russia and and now the kind of new players coming through so so James Madison Aaron Wan-Bissaka have both been excluded from the squad Kieran Tripper Kieran Trippier keeps his place in the squad even though on form you'd say he doesn't probably merit it so there's an interesting issue for Southgate now which has cropped up in this international break which perhaps we haven't really had to consider before because he hasn't had that test of of loyalty versus form so I think that will be a kind of interesting subplot as we go through the next couple of games yeah the midfield is a is a, I think a genuine area of concern, uh, especially with Lingard out, Deli Ali out. Um, Deli Ali is back in this squad. 
Right. Having although he has of obviously been out for the last month, so yeah, uh, you know he's he's not he's clearly not hundred percent match yeah. fit yet, uh, and so this idea of where the creativity is going to come from in in midfield, which is is almost the the main question mark over over this Southgate side, uh, that I think is is going to come to the fore this week. Yeah, I think I think midfield is is really the last unsolved question of the Southgate era right now. You know, he's clearly settles settled back on the four three three this year after or sorry, since the World Cup, having obviously played at the World Cup with the back three. We know more or less who the four we, we certainly know who the front line is and the keeper and most of the defence. But in midfield he's kind of it's all over the place. Like at the World Cup it was what, uh Henderson Lingard and Alley. Mm-hmm. But then I remember the you know, the f- the famous game in Seville, which was probably the the best England performance under Southgate. The three-two, it was Barkley, Winks, and Dyer, so a completely different three. And then when when we beat Croatia, the game that got us through to the finals, Delph was brought in quite surprisingly. Mm. So he's used a lot of different people, and I don't really think I don't really think he knows what the best combination is. Um, I think I think it has to I think it has to involve Declan Rice. I mean, we can come on to this later, or we can do it now. But why? Because I think Rice is the best holding midfielder that England have. I think he's better than Dyer. Better than Henderson. I think so. I, th- I feel like his passing range is something at the base of midfield that we've never, ha- an England team has never had actually, and uh, and he could actually bring a new dynamic in this new era, this kind of new era going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to confess, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a huge amount of Declan Rice this season, uh, and I think you surely, you surely would want to see more than like a half a season of, yeah, of you know, of him before you you kind of committed him to. To being an England starter for the next for the next few years, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he does. He will be really interesting. I think. So I was speaking recently to someone who who's been a big part of, of Rice's career back when he was at West Ham. He was saying the thing that always impressed him about Rice was the ability to only take one or two touches in the midfield. Like he doesn't hold on to the ball for any longer than he needs to. He always moves it on forward quickly. And even Harry Kane at his press conference yesterday was saying that what impressed him about Rice is he's not a midfielder who would. Um, you know, is like always passing it backwards or sideways mm. for the sake of his passing completion statistics. He's willing to try the dangerous pass forward through the lines to find someone cutting the opposition open, even though there's a risk of losing the ball. Now, it's I mean, obviously Kane didn't say that as a like implied criticism of Eric Dyer, but it, you know that that is basically the difference between Dyer and Rice. Yeah, like right. Dyer does not pass. You know, there are some things that Dyer is good at, but what he doesn't pass, he doesn't play good forward passes. He doesn't move the ball forward quickly. No, Dyer strikes me as instinctively a risk-averse player. Completely, yeah, completely. He's you know, in many ways, he's he's a defender who's been converted to midfield. Even though obviously he played a lot of midfield in his in his youth as well, but it, it strikes me that that that's his mentality. Yeah, yeah. And against, uh, I suppose, the packed defenses that England are going to come up against later on in, in this qualifying campaign. Uh, you do you do need to move it quite quickly, and you do need to move it quite precisely. Yeah, and if, if there was one criticism of England's play at the World Cup, for example, it's that they didn't really move the ball quickly enough in midfield. That they had that they had a midfield that was like so much based on energy and running and legs. Sorry, that's a, a triple tautology. <laughs> uh, with Henderson, Lingard, and Ali, he's fast, he's quick, and he's got pace. <laughs> Uh, with Henderson, Lingard, and Ali, it meant that, like against Croatia, for example, in the semi-final, they couldn't keep the ball. The players got tired, and when they got tired, they had nothing left. And I do, I kind of get the impression that Southgate wants to go in a more like technical, controlling direction. 
And that's why I think Winks is so important. Winks obviously was fantastic in that 3-2 win in Spain. He's not in this England squad. Like Southgate loves him. He's not in this England squad because he got, I think, a groin injury the other week, uh, which just kept him out for, for the last bit, having played an awful lot for Spurs this season. But I kind of think going forward, the best balance in midfield would be probably Rice at the base, probably Winks ahead of Barkley, and then one person who can you know bomb on and get in the opposition box, whether Lingard. that is Lingard or Ali. Or, or Barkley, I guess. Or Barkley, yeah. That's where you thought James Madison might have a chance. As such a creative... I mean, you wrote this, Jack, didn't you, this week? That his creativity statistics, so they they outstrip anyone in Europe. Is that right? Yeah, Madison, as of like last weekend, so that must that must still be the case Madison has created more chances than anyone else in Europe's mm. top five leagues this season something like 81 that's ahead of Hazard ahead of Messi who are like third and fourth so Madison is tied at the top I believe you're you're legally and journalistically bound to, to accompany this with the word Lionel who Oh, I thought you were going to say, obliged to say thanks to our friends at Opta. Oh, right. No, no, no. no. no, no. Uh, oh, Lionel Who. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lionel Who? James oh. Madison. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a good headline for the piece. Where does, I mean, I where, that. where does Madison fit in? Well, this in is a the fourth? problem. I actually, he's a 10, isn't he? Yeah. So for, mm. for, for Leslie, he's been playing as a 10 and a 4 2 3 1. And I, at the squad announcement press conference at St. George's Park last week, I asked Southgate about this. And he. I said, you know, why isn't he in the squad? And Southgate said, well, because we see him as a 10. And given that England don't play as a 10, or sorry, don't play with a 10, uh, that means there's not really so much of a role. And they do have, they do have like, well, they, they, the fact they have Ali means that if they were to switch to a 10, he, uh, Madison wouldn't necessarily be the first choice. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it, I, I, I wonder if there might be another reason. Like, for example, I don't think there's, I think, I think Madison could play one of those attacking, attacking roles in the middle. Uh, like the the number eight positions that England play with, I don't think he could only play in a ten. Right, but I mean, if, if you're going to play in those positions, you need like incredible coverage of the field. Yeah, and you also need to be able to win the ball back. And uh, you know whether he's the best player for for that is is kind of debatable. But also, I, I also think that if England were to play, say, four four one one against maybe like a one of the big, he could play. He could play behind Kane. Yeah, yeah, he could well do. Although I think that would be Sterling, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think he, he Sterling was another name he mentioned as a as a potential number ten in that if they were to change this in that way. Uh, so yeah, it does look like at the moment he's not really got a way in, but he is obviously still very young. There is you know there is interest in him from out from some of the big Premier League boys. I'm sh- I think he'll probably stay at Leicester for the for next season, but I'm sure he will continue to be part of Southgate's thoughts. Not least because he's also in a very strong under twenty one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, their friendlies, I think, against Germany and Poland this week ahead. And if he goes to the Under-21 Championships in Italy next June and does well, then you know that will itself generate momentum for him being part of this squad for next season and the Euros next year. And Southgate really values that, doesn't he? They're kind of soaking up the DNA of the England youth setup and all of that. Yeah, so. he's been. In, that's a really good point. Southgate's been incredibly loyal to lots of players who he picked at the Under-21s or who've been part of the youth team setup over the years. Mm. You know, whether it's... Lingard, Lotus Cheek, uh, bringing in Hudson Odoi, obviously for the, for this squad, quite surprisingly, uh, Sancho. He or, loves Chalaba. He absolutely he, loves Chalaba. He, he loves Chalaba, and just he tried to keep picking him, but yeah, he gave Chalaba his England debut, even though Chalaba has barely played for Watford in his two years there because he he obviously got that he fractured his kneecap after a few weeks into his first season there, missed a year, came back. Javi Gracia didn't really like him, and despite that. Southgate still gave him his debut in that Spain game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like that's 
lo loyalty to players who have traditionally been part of the England system is a big part of how Southgate does. Um, how are we feeling about the bigger question, which is England's prospects for Euro 2020? Uh, they should be one of the favourites. Uh, and I I think they'll go into it with the mentality of of one of the favourites because I, I don't see an outstanding side in Europe, not even the, not even that France team. Uh, I don't see a side on the level of Spain, 2010, 2012. Uh, I don't see anybody out there that I, I don't that I think England uh, would not go into a game with confident that that's not that's not a sentence, is it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th I think they, you know, it's incredibly open tournament, uh, and England, why not? Yeah, I think the England are among that cluster of what six teams maybe you'd say who are the sort of level above that just that rung below do you have you seen anything or in what we've seen since the world cup which was feels like literally years ago but it was what was 10 months ago nine months ago mm. yeah. do you feel like there is continued progress in the right direction that england are probably going to be a better team than they were in russia i think so i think it'll be interesting to see how he progresses with the back four which is obviously the most significant tactical change from where he was in russia and um, that I suppose the best evidence for that was the the win over Spain. Um, so I think we've seen a little bit of progress, and I think it's just a really nice core of, of English youth coming through. Jaden Sancho obviously is the m kind of most exciting one, but Declan Rice, as we've mentioned, Madison, who's not even making the squad, it, there's a really nice core there. So I think I think there is progress. What's um, encouraged me is that Southgate has clearly concluded after the World Cup that the 2018 formula is not going to work in in 2020. That evolution was needed like you were yeah, saying yeah, yeah. they do need to control games a, l a little bit better and that that's a mental thing as much as a technical thing but the the evolution of this team even in the space of less than a year gives me a little bit of encouragement that that they are going that they'll go into the tournament still at the cutting edge as it were yeah i think i was gonna say i just really on kind of on the same note i really like the way that they approach the the world cup and and kind of analysed the squad and said right with well, a year or so before it and said right wing backs are the way to go that plays to our strengths that plays to Trippier and Rose etc. And I think him and Southgate and Steve Holland have a really good way of analysing the strengths of the squad, not necessarily just picking the eleven best players, which I think England have been guilty of doing yeah. before, but actually building a, a a style and a setup, and that stands us in good stead. I think. Yeah, I really admire it. I I really admire the maturity of thinking in in not being tempted to say, we've nailed it, haven't we? Yeah. Back three, yeah. got us to semi-finals of the World Cup. We can't possibly do anything different from that. Yeah. And recognising that, in fact, it was that was you know a, the right way to approach that particular tournament, but there might, in fact, be a better way to approach the next few games. And like the, I, I keep going on about it, but it was such an important moment. The 3-2 win in Spain last October, which was, I think, the best thing, the best England performance of the last 20 years, um, that wouldn't have been possible playing a back three because it was all based on having Kane and Sterling and Rashford up front in that 4-3-3. And obviously, if you're playing 3-5-2, you can't play Sterling and Rashford and Kane. You can only play two of them. Um, so that was a complete vindication of that approach. And I know they scraped past Croatia. I know if they hadn't beaten Croatia, then not only would England not be in the Nations League semis and final this June, but they would in fact have been relegated down to UEFA Nations League uh, League B yeah. for the next cycle. So it's not like it was inevitable. But there is evidence from what we've seen in the Nations League campaign that England's new 4-3-3 works and that it's the right approach. Yeah, I th you had to... 
I mean, if you, any sort of audit of the, of this squad would tell you that the the best part of that squad is the front three. Totally, yeah. You, you have to build. You have to build that that squad to get the best out of Kane, Rashford, Sterling, and and Sancho as well now. And you can't you can't do that unless you're, uh, you know, if you're if you're playing wing backs or you can't do that unless you have some semblance of control over midfield as well. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that that's that's what gives me a bit of encouragement. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who would you play at right back? Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. Just... Trippier has had a poor season uh, with, with Spurs by the standards of his last two Um and which he admitted sorry, yeah. at St George's Park yesterday. He he was very honest about how his own failings this year. Yeah. So. Uh, Walker, I think... I mean, what do you think about Walker? Uh, I think... I think he's been consistently good for City uh, in the year and a half, almost two years since he's been there. I think that he won't be as good as he currently is indefinitely because he's a player who relies on pace. And players who rely on pace have a shelf life. I th- I think Walker's game, and this this goes all the way back to to Tottenham, is that he has been a defender who gets himself out of trouble and trusts himself to get to get out of trouble. Alexander Arnold, I feel, is the sort of player who tries not to get in trouble in the first place, and he he just seems like a more. I'm trying I'm trying not to use the word intelligent. I'm trying to use a slightly more intelligent word, more intelligent. <laughs> mm. uh, but I, th- I, I think he he reads the game a lot better. Yeah, and he knows, you know, he knows when to go forward. He knows when to cover. He's got, I think, a, a better spatial awareness, and he doesn't, he doesn't tend to, you don't, you don't tend to see him throwing himself into into desperate tackles that occasionally you see Walker trying and pulling off, or occasionally not. Yeah, I, f- I feel like. Walker was the archetypal kind of fullback that stepped on from the kind of Gary Neville fullback of bursting down the wing. But I think also Trent Alexander-Arnold is also perhaps the prototype of what the next fullback will be, which is someone who can almost play in central midfield. He can, um, yeah, he can attack and create, and he he can he can have. A, it's going to be a much more influential position. It feels every season it's more and more. He's influential. our Lam, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the exactly. closest thing we have to a to a Philip Lam. Yeah, and his his set piece delivery. Has you know he now take, he takes corners for Liverpool, is has come on leaps and bounds in the last sort of year eighteen months. The, the improvement has been has been really quite encouraging. It's a good point as well, actually. I think that set pieces is something we've massively underrated yeah. uh, over the years. England, you know, since David Beckham, we just didn't really fill that void very well. And Gerrard and Rooney and then Harry Kane um, and Trent Alexander Arnold is someone with a really high quality delivery. Yeah, I, I think I I think I'm probably persuaded to persuaded to the case for Alexander Arnold by you guys. I know that in the last year or so Southgate's had this big decision to make between Trippier and Walker mm. and he's been re- rotating between the two, but I think I think he's got to start thinking who's going to be the best at uh who's going to be best at Euro 2020. Mm. I mean at Euro 2020 Kyle Walker will be 30 years old. 
this is Walker's I think eighth full season of Premier League football like I just said you know players like that do not players like that can't play forever yeah. because you, human bodies are not that quick forever particularly when you're playing 50-60 games a season every season yeah uh, do, do you see Trent slight side point here but do you see Trent Alexander-Arnold developing into a midfielder rather than a, in, in the long term um, I don't know uh, I'd probably say like off the top of my head no mm. but that said I don't watch a lot of football or sorry I don't, I don't watch a, I don't watch a lot of Liverpool or know a lot about football so uh, I I don't know I mean instinctively I'd say he looks a bit tall for a midfielder but yeah. that's the sort of thing my dad would say uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know like do you do you think he can play midfield? I think I think when you've got a player who's that quick and whose delivery is that good from out wide, uh, you're best off you're best off keeping him there. Why? Yeah. Why is it better to play in midfield than at fullback? It's it's such a you know, it's it's not a, it, maybe in 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 times gone by it would be a more important position. But I mean at Fulham on Sunday, I think he touched the ball more than anybody else on the pitch. Him and him and Robertson touched the ball more than anyone on the pitch. Yeah, I was sat next, Johnny and I were sat together for that game and it was so striking how, how again, as someone who doesn't watch Liverpool every week, how Robertson and Alexander-Arnold spent the whole game in Fulham's half. Yeah. Really provided all the width. Like, you know, the kind of old saying, oh, you both fullbacks can't go ahead at the same time. Not true. Uh, well, if that's Fulham, you, you absolutely yeah, yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. uh, when the other team had what uh, Ryan Babel on one wing and Floyd Aiti on the other, yeah, uh, they, they spent the whole game in the other half. They're they're so good, they're so dangerous. They find each other with these crossfield passes, uh, and I just thought, I know what Walker does. What Walker does for City is very good, but I think I think the the kind of up what Ed would call the upside. Uh, to Alexander Arnold is probably higher, particularly on the kind of like medium term view, which England should now be taking. Yeah, we also haven't mentioned defending, and I think like one on one defending, Trent Alexander Arnold has shown himself to be really, really yeah. Yeah. competent at against great Champions League wingers as well. So I think he's kind of the whole package. Yeah, I mean there was that that game like really early in his career where he got he got totally embarrassed by Rashford, was yeah. it or Martial against against United, yeah. and yeah. that was you know he's he's pinpointed that as kind of a real learning moment for him and again it's as much about mentality as, as anything else but he's he's really grown into that role so if we were if we were to scope out the england the england team for euro 2020 then yeah who, who plays center half pickford agreed alexander arnold yeah. then i think it has to i think the i think the, the answer is obvious i think it has to be stones and gomez yeah gomez gomez is so good i know i do i love gomez I, and yeah, i just you know and, and they fit with the kind of style of play and everything. Yeah, I think that works. Um, uh, then at left back... Tough on Slaphead. Yeah. I, he just... I mean, Maguire is just nowhere near as good as Stones and Gomez. He's good. I he's mean, fine. He, he's he's closer to Michael Keane than he is to Stones and Gomez. That's a, that's a tough rap on... That's a tough rap on both of them. But no, I, do, I, I, mean, I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, left back, Chilwell. Yeah, I, I like Chilwell. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. I suppose, what's your other option? Luke Shaw, I suppose. And um, Danny Rose. Yeah. Danny Rose, Rose has done pretty well at Spurs this year, but I think Shaw has probably improved more. Shaw at his best might have a claim. Yeah. But I think Chilwell, if he can... Chilwell at his full potential is a is an England left-back. He's an international class left-back. He hasn't quite... His, his, his delivery for Leicester this season hasn't been as, as good as it, as it was, uh, certainly last season. But... Uh, so he, I think there's, there's an end product issue there, but his 
positioning and his and his coverage and his movement has has improved no end. I feel like all great teams have a mid table left back anyway, and just yeah, yeah, like yeah. Joan Captavia and that great Spain team. Mm. I think it's, well, Chilwell Chilwell may not be a mid table player for much longer, yeah, given true. that City are interested in him this. Yeah, Pep obviously wants a bit of competition for him. Pep's basically gone off Mendy and Delph, who are the two left backs the last year or two. Mm. Uh, and Sinchenko, who's done well, is probably not the long term option. So it'll be interesting. But then I'm sure Chihuahua will be incredibly expensive if City wants to sign him because he's in England's international play and established Premier League team. That's not City have money, I yeah. believe. I read, I read they've got money. Well, yeah, but they might. Uh, FFP, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, midfield, who do you have? So if we're having a. Four, three, 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 which yeah. I think you have to have. Yeah, I think you're right. I think probably Rice, if he continues on this trajectory. I think, like Johnny says, it's perhaps early to just shoot him straight in as a as a starter. But if we're thinking he's going to carry on on this trajectory towards Euro 2020, then I would say Rice at the base. And then you've got oh, <laughs> this is like you said is the hardest part. Harry Winks, mm-hmm. do we think? If he's playing I've regularly, I've got him in mind. Yeah. Oh god, you just need someone who can pass the ball. Winks as well is, as Rice. he's all right at passing the ball. I don't I don't see Winks as like a defence splitting passing midfielder. He's he's good at recycling. He's, yeah, he's really good at short passes and keeping things moving. Yeah. A Where continuity the, guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, a continuity man. Uh, he has that little burst of acceleration he does, that Jack yeah. Wilshire had when he first burst onto the scene, which I do think is helpful. Like England players don't often do that little dribble between two central midfielders. So I do think he's he's got something different. I think uh if he's fit Deli Alley. Yeah. yeah, like the the improvement that he's shown, like the, the defensive side of his game this this season has been quite striking. Yeah, it, the, he did a he did an absolute job on on Jorginho, uh in the league game against I don't think it was a league game at, at Wembley against Chelsea, uh, and then afterwards talked about how he, you know, Pochettino has really improved that side of his game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great performance. Yeah, he can he can hunt. Now he's he's your easy so hatchet. Have, you, have you got so you got Ali and who other who else? Lingard, I think. Ali and Lingard, I think. I, I, Twenty eighteen all over again. <laughs> I know, I know. It's nostalgia, if, if if nothing else. <laughs> right, so yeah, I, I my problem with that is I suppose you're just like we felt like in 2018 we were slightly shoehorning two very attacking yeah. players into number eight positions, and I feel like if you do that again, but with a back four. Rather than a back five, it's quite offensive. But I'd want to see more from Rice. I wouldn't rule out yeah. Henderson and Rice. Yeah. Uh, Henderson and Rice, Rice and Winks. Henderson and Winks, uh, I think two of those three. Yeah. Or Lingard. Yeah. Or Ward-Prowse. And then there's no or, or no n- no debates about the front line. Rashford, Kane and Sterling. Got to be Unless soon. Sancho begins to threaten that. Maybe. That. Although I think Sancho would always be fantastic as an option off the bench. Yeah, but mm. like, you know, at, at what stage do you say he's like... One of the best wingers in, like the best best wingers in Europe, you've got yeah. to play him. There's also an argument to say that Rashford isn't is better, perhaps as a deputy for Kane than actually pushing him out wide and perhaps slightly nullifying some of his strengths. I don't know. Yeah, yeah tough on Callum Wilson. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Tough hard it's, lines. It's an interesting topic with Kane, which is because uh, Kane's going to be 26 at the time of the Euro 2020. Uh, what at that? Yeah, he's, he's, he's 25 be, until he's 26. Will Will that be Pete Kane? Will that be? The best of Kane. Have we seen the best of Kane? That's a theory that, that you hear in some circles. Yeah, I think Kane will... Do you think we've seen the best of Kane? <clears throat> I think there's enough to his game that he'll be able to evolve into a slightly different... I, I think Kane might not be a top-class number nine for more than another year or two. Uh, you can see him You can see him developing the, the creative side of his game. It, it's possible that 
in in the future you see him in a slightly more withdrawn role. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I, I was almost going to say the opposite that he could do what Ronaldo's done, where he becomes just an absolute yeah. poaching box machine, um, which requires a lot less energy, and, and he does seem leggy in some games, particularly obviously at the World Cup. I think Kane himself, Kane sees his own evolution along those along Johnny's lines yeah. as in b- becoming more of a number ten. Uh, he's done it a fair bit for England in the last year, a little bit for Tottenham. You know, dropping deep, getting more of the ball, shooting from distance, or playing in, uh, you know, playing in Rashford and Sterling or Sancho perhaps running in front of him. That was a secret to you know to a lot of England's play over the last twelve months or so. Um, and I think. You know, that's the number of shirt he wears, which is not to be discounted. Um, I think he he sees that as the direction he wants to go in. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, particularly if, if England have players who can run in behind him, that is where where he ends up. But he's dovetailing with Ali. You can imagine how that... Completely, could, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah could. Or, or Sterling in the future. It, it's um, he, He's not quick and he, he never has been quick and that's kind of helped him in a way. It, that, that could help him. He doesn't have that yard of pace to lose. He's developed the other other facets of his game to the to the extent that, uh, you know that he he's never needed to be. the The thing is, I th- I think we do. It's possible to underestimate how much you need to be in peak physical condition to play that really physical number nine role, yeah. holding off people like just sometimes. You know, Giroud play, plays it so well, and he's so like he's so agile. Giroud, yeah. uh, just you know, like getting a little toe in, flicking it around the corner. It's it's a really physically demanding role. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, in in the next couple of years, he, he sort of graduates to a, a slightly less concussive kind of role on the pitch. Would you, would you picture that with a almost number nine replacing him? Or do you think he will? Yeah, he will st- or, uh, possibly as a... Must be the false nine, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, with, with two wingers, with two quick wingers, like, running on... Um, which you could definitely imagine you thinking, Sterling and Rashford. Yeah, in terms of, this is, this might sound ridiculous to listeners, but the two like classical exponents that roll in my head are Sher- Sheringham and Bergkamp. Is that the kind of thing you're thinking? I'm, no, I'm, 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 thinking kind of, I'm thinking kind of messy. But not, obviously, like completely different sorts of players. Okay. But drawing defenders out of position, like do, where do you mark him? Yeah, yeah, okay. I see what, I, I see what I, you mean. Sheringham and Bergkamp did play as much facing goal as they did with their back to goal but I think that's what I think Kane likes playing in that kind of facing goal a long way out yeah yeah kind of thing I think that I wonder if that might be the model yeah um, we were going to talk about England's rivals at Euro 2020 but I think we've probably done enough of that now so uh, unless there's anything you want to say about Germany oh, that's interesting isn't it yeah basically They've I don't know off Hummels Boateng and, and Muller and Thomas Muller. So that's permanently. Yeah. Not Which according to Thomas Muller, who Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, he had an Instagram or whatever statement saying that uh it wasn't over. Not over until it's over. So um he still thinks he's got a future and maybe he does. How did how has Yogi Love survived yeah. that how has Yogi Love survived two thousand and eighteen? How like if we're if Britney survived two thousand and seven, <laughs> how has Yogi Love survived two thousand and eighteen? Well he clearly must have said to the he must have he's really sold the DFB on this idea. Well, yeah, no, I accept there has to be generational change, 
but you can't do it by changing me. You've got mm. to get let me. You've got to let me throw the players under the bus instead. That's the solution. I got but, us into why this. Why would they buy it? Why would they buy that? Why, like you've got such an obvious and easy lever to pull, which is get rid of the guy and get someone else in. And then if then you you know if new like generic standard issue thirty four year old German coach mm. wants to replace these players, he can. But it seems to be like you're just failing to take the most obvious solution offered to you by not getting rid of the manager himself it's ridiculous when you see the you know the the, num- the level of coaches that are out there yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it's yeah. amazing and it's obviously like a super attractive job because you know like um nagelsmann's going to leipzig next yeah. year who mm-hmm. are not you know who are obviously second by miles yeah uh Tuchel's had to leave germany to work like it's not uh it's not being a young german coach isn't a great gig because there's only one job worth having in germany um which none of them have well, no, but in terms of like winning stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, and so I think like how it, I don't know. I mean, look again. I'm not an expert. Uh, and we. This is why when it's when, kind of baffling to me that like that he's still in the job. He's been there forever. When, when Scotland had um like in the sort of you know late 80s and and through the 90s had like Scotland had loads of amazing coaches and and kept appointing like absolute numpties to to uh, to coach the national team. It seems so drastic as well. I think is Boateng or Hummels. One of them is twenty nine, which seems really young for a defender. I think yeah. I think Boateng's like a uh, eighty eight birthday, so he will now be thirty. I mean, he does. To be fair, Boateng does look a little bit effed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my in my humble opinion, Hummels has always been a slow fraud. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, but uh, this so is, I don't I don't mind them bidding off him. This is the this is the thing. The, these are these are guys who were really amazing at 24 25 and and mm. that's almost like the the gravity of sorry the, the center of gravity of a footballing career has shifted forward so much that, that that is exactly what i was thinking of when i when i was that's a really really important point like this is going to sound insane even though germany won even though germany won the world cup in 2014 all, all with these guys mm. the, the whole kind of 9, uh, 88 89 generation arguably the best football they played was actually in 2010 when they lost the semi-final to Spain, one yeah. nil, and that for me, that this is nobody, nobody, nobody expected the Spanish Inquisition in the air. <laughs> for me, for me, the, the the best football that that generation played was when they won the two thousand nine under twenty one championship and then reached the semi-final in twenty ten. And even though they happened to win the World Cup in twenty fourteen, I didn't think they were that good at that World Cup. And to me, that suggests, like like you were saying. The best football that generation played together was in their early 20s. Mm. And certainly after their winning the World Cup in 2014, when they were all, as you say, like 25, they achieved nothing after that. And that links us back to the England issue. Like, I know this is still a, a young England team and they will continue to be young at 2020 and even at 2022. But the example of Germany is that you've got to get your winning done. Sometimes the generation has has to do its winning early because mm. yeah. there's no guarantee you will continue to improve and improve uh, after early you know, after early promise. It's a more physically demanding game than I think it's ever been. I don't think there's there's too much debate about that. And the amount of football that is now played, the likes of, you know, the likes of Harry Kane, uh, you know, Henderson, Deli Alley have played, been playing 50, 60 games a season since they were 17. They're now well into the hundreds, like, seven, you know, a few hundred, three or four hundred in terms of games played. And I think, I mean, if you take, take Lukaku for... for for an example, right? He's he's played, I think he's played something like five hundred games, yeah. over over four hundred games at the age of twenty four, twenty five. He he can't have more than a few a few years left in him. Yeah, there are so many players, particularly players 
born in the sort of mid 80s who are now in their early 30s there are so many of those guys are rubbish now because they they played their best football between the ages of like 18 and 23 yeah we saw Ryan Barbell on uh, Fulham on on um on Sunday how old is Ryan Barbell what how old do you think Ryan Barbell is i think it's in, in your head, he's I'm gonna say well, well into his 30s. 2007 on 21 championships, on 21 Euros. Well, it's not fun if you work it out. <laughs> so uh, he's probably like an 86 birthday. So I'd say he's probably 33. He's uh, 19th of December 1986, so he's 32. Yeah. So he's th- he's 32 until he's he's 33. But, uh, I mean, that whole, again, that was a generation that achieved nothing. Maceo Richter's, Royston Drenter, uh, Ron Vlaar. Royston Drenter, yeah. Um, I can't even remember who else was in that that Dutch team. But they went on to do nothing really at all in, in serious football. When they when they achieve nothing, you get a, you are able to sweep them out really quickly. I think that one of the classic problems that Germany suffered, which is what a lot of successful international teams have suffered, is once you win a World Cup, then it's like, oh, this guy's won a World Cup and he's got a hundred caps and he's twenty eight, mm. so he's definitely in the team. And that Germany have just kept going with that same pool of players. Twenty fourteen would have been the perfect time to get rid of all the frauds, Ozil, <laughs> <But> Hummels. <laughs> Yeah, but how c- it's so difficult to do that, isn't it? To turn around and say, right, you've won the World Cup, you're out now. Um, but yeah, you're right. So I, we're sorry, we've been droning on forever. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to do very quickly. Li- listeners, if you're listening to this, then you probably follow Jonathan on Twitter. And if you follow Jonathan on Twitter, you will have seen his famous England squad uh, decided by their leave or remain status. Yeah, this is not an appeal to follow me, by the way. Don't follow me. I, do, I, I don't want to deal with the hassle. Too much hassle. <laughs> Um, is okay. I know this is a question you've got a lot. Is it a real list? No, it is not a real list, Jack. It is not a real list of how everybody voted in the 2016 referendum. It is not a record. So of I th- that's secret. Do you want to read it out, or should I read it out and then you explain? <clears throat> no, no, you read it out. Okay, uh, you, you both need to have it up on your phones <laughs> at the moment. I certainly do. Uh, okay, uh, listeners, follow along at home. Uh, Pickford leave. I mean, that, that's fairly. That's this is fairly obvious. Yeah. Butland remain. Yeah, I think he's. You know, he's. I try. I'm trying not to sort of load either side because you know we are obviously impartial on this on this podcast. Mm. The indie football podcast is neither leave nor remain. Although the independent is, I believe, the official media partner of the People's Vote. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much against the People's Vote. We've had this discussion, right? Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm I don't know. Okay. It would be disastrous. Yeah. Absolutely disastrous. Also, Lee would win again. On, on Not this, that that would be a bad thing. <laughs> on this podcast, we support uh, unilateral revocation of Article 50. I do support. Yeah, yeah I. I'm, the, that is the true Remainers option. Yeah, this is this is my you know this is my position. The purists like just no second referendum. Just revoke, just revoke the it. thing and so, tell the tell the will of the people to go fuck themselves. Which, <laughs> if any of these England players were for unilaterally revoking Article 50, who would it be? Trent. Trent, yeah. So let's sorry. <laughs> let, let's quickly run through it. Heat and leave. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've, again, I, I hemmed and hawed over that one a little mm. bit as well, because uh, you know he's he's quite an intelligent guy. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Walker leave. Yeah, he's a very enthusiastic guy. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rose undecided. <laughs> Maguire leave. So mm. why was Rose undecided? Because I mean, I think I originally had him down as remain, but after a chat with Jack, uh, Jack said it, it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Did he head into the voting booth and just just tick whatever he fancied, or did he just abstain? Um, I think he might have spoiled his ballot paper <laughs> <laughs> in a fit of pique. It's too binary. It's too binary a choice, man. Can't. What about the backstop? He um, knew. He knew. 
Uh, we've got Maguire leave. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, mm. Trippier leave, I think, is unarguable. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold remain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's and if not remain, then return. I think third referendum. All the Liverpool. There was a little bit of a, a little bit of debate over Henderson. I think the Klopp is obviously very fiercely remain. And hashtag FBPE. Yeah, yeah. He, he follows back. Um, he uh, will have essentially. Uh, commanded his entire squad into alignment I feel whatever their, their pre-existing views so all Liverpool players will vote will vote remain yeah I can see that uh, Chilwell leave uh, Keane remain but get on with it I can see Keane I can see Keane being like uh, a proper foot soldier for remain uh, mm. also I, I think he has Irish re- ancestry yeah so he played for the Republic of Ireland as like schoolboys. boys mm. uh, I'm not sure up to what level I think maybe under 18s or 19s before switching to England I remember speaking to him before. He's a really, really... I, re- I really like him as a person. He's a really smart guy. Um, Tarkovsky, Remain. Uh, I I played a part, I think, of persuading you around to that. Yeah, I think, he, I think he was originally leave, actually. I mean, but partly it's the Burnley thing. Partly it's the fact that he kind of didn't sort of renounce his Polish ancestry, but said, like, I, I feel like a, I feel totally English. I don't feel, you know... But, um, again, it's not an exact science. Um Henderson remain. I think it's kind of a borderline case. No, I think I think Henderson's pretty solidly remain. I, you can't again. You can't quantify these things, but you just get a sense of a person. Um, Dyer remain. We've all seen that famous. Mm. The, the, the only one we're, sh- we're sure about. And the Instagram post. Yeah, he's he's the kind of he's the inspiration for the whole list. Well, he wants people's vote, doesn't he? He's not just he wants he wants a people's vote. He put it on his Twitter and his Instagram. Did he? His support for people's. Oh, vote. I didn't see. But I didn't see. He it on his Instagram, Instagram story. He just wrote hashtag people's vote. Hmm. Uh, and that's something we can all get behind. Delhi remain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Londoner. Bark. You've got for here for Barkley. You've got remain, but back to the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know. But Barkley, Barkley, I think I can see Ross Barkley as a sort of guy who like a Labour lever, like Caroline Flint. No, no, not not a lever. He he thought he he voted remain because he thought yeah. it was genuinely you know the, the best thing for the country to stay in the EU. But he he believes Ross Barkley is nothing if not a Democrat. He believes the democratic will of the people should be. Should be respected. Oh yeah, but that's sorry. That, what I meant by that is that's like the Labour Labour MPs who might have voted Remain themselves, but are now in the constituencies full of Leavers, like, like uh, Ru- Flint. Yeah, like Caroline Flint, like Ruth Smith, and who therefore cannot come out against or c- can't come out and support the, the second referendum because that's they, total bollocks, by the way. Because even in Leave constituencies, Labour voters tend very, very heavily towards Remain. Even in Leave constituencies, it's bollocks. Yeah, that that is true. But they might be thinking not so much about the selection as about the next general election. Yeah, but like they're still they're still not going. You know, they still need remain. They're, the voters are still remainers, yeah, even yeah. if they're in a leave constituency. Idiots. Uh, War proud leave. Yeah, well, again, well, big debate over this. Controversial. Father, father is a barrister, which and and so you think you know legal establishment, you know enemies of the people. Did he go to private school? Uh, no, he went to a Catholic college. Yeah. Um, Michael Keane went to private school, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I think he went to St Bede's in yeah. Manchester. Yeah. Um, but what's wrong it for me is the fact that he's from he's from Portsmouth slash sort of you know rural Hampshire, and uh, put a picture on Instagram of him fishing and f- fishing I think is a, is a big red flag not red flag not a bad red flag <laughs> like red red is not a threatening color, a, a, a flag with a smiley uh, face on along it. with golf actually uh, golf and, and fishing I think are, are two big predictors yeah I agree with that okay. uh, rice leave I don't I don't know rice at all I, I don't no I don't I don't I don't know him as a guy I just I just you know, he, he gives off a slightly. Yeah. You know, he he left Ireland, didn't he? Uh, 
But also, he's from, uh, was it East London, Essex? Yeah, he's from Fulham. Is he? Yeah. But he was... He was at the Chelsea Academy. But he's a Chelsea fan from West London. He uh, was at the Chelsea Academy before... A Chelsea fan, eh? Yeah, uh, I went to West Ham. Interesting. Uh, Sterling remain. Yeah, I think we can... Yeah. That clicks. Yeah. Uh, Kane, it is what it is. <laughs> Direct well, fight. he kept his opinion to himself when he asked in the broadcast section in the press conference at St George's Park about this yesterday. Yeah, I think Natalie Perks from ITV, was it? Yeah. I asked him and uh, yeah, he saw it, saw it coming a mile off. Not the first time he's been asked, I think, as well. And then we end with a quartet of remains. Rashford, Sancho, Wilson, Hudson, Adoy. Yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, any any real real debate there? Mm. Wilson for me. I think he... Wilson, uh, Wilson has done a lot of work. He's done a lot of work with kick it out, and I think would feel uncomfortable aligning himself with the many Brexit racists out there. Okay, uh, I've done a quick tot up, and I think it's roughly fifty two forty eight remain. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something like fourteen or fifteen seven remain, which I think is is how the young generally uh, trend. And anyway. people, you know, yeah. we always say that we want a representative England team, and we've got it. Yeah, I think so. Um, if you're still listening to this podcast 48 minutes in, <laughs> we love you. We are very grateful to you. Uh, thank you so much. And we will, we will be back in some form at some point next week, but I don't know exactly when and I don't know with who. Uh, have a great week. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.